Hello, sexy nerds of the Nerd Imperium. Welcome to this week's episode of the Currently Nerdy Podcast. We are your inner conclave of nerdum. My name is Diz, and I'm your pop culture and sports nerd, Ellie. I am only your classic nerd. I'm your comic nerd. Listen, Ellie, I'm going to tell you this now, yeah. so you don't get mad at me later. When I die, yeah. and you throw a funeral for me... I'm not throwing a funeral for you. When you throw a funeral for me when I die, <laughs> do not expect me to thank you after the fact, all right? Oh, God. I'm not going to do it. I, I will not come back in a spirit form and thank you for allowing me I, to have a funeral. I refuse to give this any further oxygen. I just, I can't, I can't give it any more oxygen. I can't give it any more oh. of my attention. I refuse to give this man any iota. Okay. Fine. In the words, in the words of, of, I forgot who it was that said it quite beautifully. Give, I think it was Walder Frey from uh, Game, Game of, Thrones? of Thrones, who said, "Lannister, Tully, Stark, give me one reason I should give a single thought to the lot of you." <laughs> Fair, Fair enough. enough. That's yeah. a solid. That's a solid who gives quote. a fuck? Fuck yeah. them. Fuck them all. Okay, fine. If you don't want to give that any fucking thought, no. then if I ever get caught soliciting hand jobs. At a massage parlor, can you find me? Can we a, talk about the double justice system right there. A, a lawyer as good enough as Robert Kraft's that where he's getting away with it. Seriously, he's not even getting any type of criminal. Just, <laughs> just he has to take like, training. <laughs> he gets a slap on the wrist. <laughs> Maybe he like, was into that. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, apparently, human trafficking in you know. It's not a big deal. No, if you're, I guess if you're a billionaire. First, we had whole stories about sex rings and shit, and people getting caught up, and then suddenly it's all, oh, yeah, make believe sex rings, whatever. Right? We had the whole PizzaGate scandal. Fucking everyone was going crazy about that shit. Yeah. Right? Like we did a whole episode on PizzaGate. The reality is that that as as crazy as conspiracy theories sounds, they are lethal. I mean, we saw the example of this this past week. Um, literally a week since since we were recording, mm-hmm. um, we had a conspiracy theory nut who opened fire uh, in New Zealand and, yeah. and killed a bunch of people. Um, so we were we normally record on on Tuesdays, but yeah. for the past two weeks due to some issues, we've recorded on Thursdays. And yeah. we were in the middle of recording, and we had to stop recording last week um, because at around one forty local time in New Zealand at uh, Christchurch, New Zealand. There was I was sh- on the Twitter, and I paused this. Yeah, you paused this. There was a shooting at uh, the Al-Nur Mosque, mm-hmm. where 42 people were were killed at the Al-Nur Mosque, yeah. followed up by seven other people at the Linwood Islamic Center, yeah. right? at around so 155. two mosques. Two mosques got hit in a period of 15 minutes by the same shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say his name, because mm-hmm. fuck him, he doesn't deserve any notoriety, or yeah. doesn't deserve anything. But he went in during Friday prayer, um, yeah. during the, when the congregation was was praying. And it's for for those of you who aren't Muslim, Friday prayer is like Sunday mass, yeah. right? You go, there's a sermon, and then you do your prayers, right? Yeah. It's a place for the community to get together, and it, you know. Um, so he went in there knowing that this is when there would be the most people at yeah. these centers, and he opened fire with a few assault rifles yeah. uh killing 49 that day and then one more died at the hospital there's a lot more that are still in critical yeah, condition so about 51 now and there's still like a good dozen or so people injured yeah so um you know it's just sad like yeah. we saw it happen live uh, and by which we mean quite literally because when we l- clicked on the uh hashtag the video was the up. video was up he, uh, we saw the video unfortunately because it twitter fucking auto plays videos um, that shit um, and they apparently Facebook and Twitter just 
over like <laughs> tens of thousands of it was were, were online yeah. and people were reporting it facebook claimed that no one reported it that about 200 plus people watched it and didn't report it and everyone's like no i know for a fact i reported reported it it, yeah so facebook and twitter are obviously lying covering their asses but the fact that this person put it up online is indicative of of kind of where we're at it was this is a person who was born in the kind of dredges of the internet yeah it was was surreal he was on 8chan um he was part of this kind of broader Discourse, anti-Islam, anti-immigrant discourse, racist discourse, alt-right, and it manifested outside of the internet. You know, people often talk about trolling and whatnot without recognizing that it's not just trolling and memeing. This stuff is lethal. Like, it actually leads to people getting killed. You know, sociopaths online are sociopaths in the real world. It's just the first step, right? You go online and that's where, like, you post originally, but then from there you become more radicalized you get more emboldened is that the if, word if you're if you're comfortable being cruel to people online you're gonna be cruel to people no matter what i mean the idea that somehow the internet it creates exceptions to our behavior is not true it actually reveals the depths of what we're capable of mm-hmm. if the fact that you can't see a person makes you more readily cruel to them then you're just cruel as a person yeah right an inherently not cruel person or inherently compassionate person cannot become cruel just because they're online yeah Yeah, there's no like oh it turns people into monsters no they're monsters to begin with Mm -hmm. right so this person didn't become a monster he was a monster from the very get-go he just got worse the internet just gave him a community that fostered it and encouraged it enabled it and and allowed him to kind of plan it all out he wrote uh on his um Manifesto? His, uh, uh, not his manifesto, his his magazines uh-huh. uh, on uh, his weapons. Actually, the name of other far right shooters: the Quebec Mosque shooting, and then the uh, guy in in Norway. Oh, Anders Breivik. Yeah. yeah. So both of those individuals, um, the Norway shooting and the Quebec shooting, inspired him, and so he wrote their their names down. Yeah, and uh, white on paint. There, yeah. yeah. You know, all three of them. Seeking some type of notoriety. It's why we don't use their names is, is to deny them the, the, that notoriety. Yeah. Um, but he, that was what he was going for, right? He, I'm writing these people's names out so that people can see, uh, you know, what, what it is that, you know, I'm trying to accomplish. But he also wrote a manifesto that he uploaded instantly yeah. uh, online. And the manifesto is... Uh, it's like 87 pages long. Yeah, right? it's a long one. But it, it cites all the kind of same conspiracy theory bullshit. He names it the great... <coughs> replacement uh which is a it's a conspiracy theory that came out of the 60s uh-huh. uh by by a, actually a, a french dude uh-huh. uh, who came up with it originally then there was a israeli swiss guy that also kind of promulgated it but or, the original guy was was french okay um and he wrote renard if i'm not mistaken it was his name and if i'm not he writes about how europeans are being gradually displaced and replaced by foreigners, namely North Africans, Moroccans, Libyans, etc., yeah. uh, black and brown Muslims, right? Uh-huh. Um, and that Europe was going to disappear because of dropping birth rates. And in his manifesto, he's very, this guy in New Zealand very clearly states, oh, there's dropping birth rates, right? Now, never mind the fact that it's all fiction. Yeah. The Muslim community in New Zealand isn't even 1%. No. It's a very, very small community. It's not even nearly the amount of Muslims that are in Australia or the United States or in Europe or anywhere else. And it's just a minor, minor. Now, he himself happens to be from, from Australia. Australia. But this kind of 
fictitious imagining of the world based on some faux science of immigration statistics mm-hmm. um, is also compounded by a, a deliberate misreading of history. So he talks about immigration in terms of invasion. These are yeah, he kept calling waves, them Muslim invaders. In, waves of invaders that have come on to uh, you know, uh, the, the shores of Western Christendom. Never mind the fact that when we talk about things like Western Civ or the Western world or Europe, these things were made in the modern era. Western Civ emerged in the 19th century as part of a discourse to create and fabricate some connectivity between very disparate countries. Germany, France, England, all these countries, Portugal, they were all competing for colonial land. Mm -hmm. None of them were part of a singular civilization, but they started to talk like they were part of a singular civilization to justify colonialism as part of a particular racist discourse that emerges. And even the so-called European world is mostly a fabrication of the post-World War I and post-World War II moments in which they said hyper-nationalism nearly led us to destroying the world. Let's start talking about European values, not German values, not French values, not English values. So these are all kind Mm -hmm. of recent fictions that are then somehow projected backwards. Like he cites, for example, the Battle of Tours, which happens in the 8th century. It was like, oh, the Muslims invaded France and Charles Mattel defeated them and you know we have to stand up and defend our civilization never mind the fact that neither Charles Mattel nor anyone at the time saw it as Islam versus Christianity uh-huh. the Char- the Carolingian dynasty while opposed to the Umayyads in Europe mm-hmm. just so happened to be closely allied with the Abbasids in Baghdad hmm. but it was all geopolitical it was never civilizational it was never religious it was just territorial battles between empires the, Car- the Carolingians received a series of books from Harun al-Rashid in Baghdad they even sent over a giant white elephant Abu Abbas that went all the way through the Middle East mm-hmm. went to North Africa took a boat from North Africa and made its way into France where we get white elephant from the white elephant gift exchange oh, nice. is from Abu Abbas this gift oh, I didn't know that, that the Arab Muslims gave to the great saviors of Christianity Charlemagne right huh. <laughs> this is, but, the, but the reality is that these people they don't care about the facts of history. For them, it's the story that they can tell about themselves and make themselves ordinary losers in the gutters and basements of the internet feel better and feel special. We are Western Civ. No, you're not. A bunch of losers that get tumescent over the Crusades, right? Uh-huh. They get all excited. They like to LARP. But the problem is that that LARPing often means that manifests in actual literal violence. And that's something that we need to start taking Motherfuckers. seriously. No one wants to address it. I think the response has been interesting to it. I think New Zealand, the United States, they had some very different responses. Yeah. Um, the New Zealand prime minister went to the mosque. She wore a hijab. People in New Zealand went and protected Muslims while they were doing their prayers they said that this is not you know this is not something that they stand for they won't allow it in their community you had uh, teenagers doing um, haka dances outside the mosque haka dances it's called haka haka Haka, sorry yeah well white people call them haka dances well white people don't know what they're doing well they're doing the haka outside the mosques as a sign of solidarity they banned assault rifles (laughs) within a week within a week (laughs) they put a pick let's be nice to live in a country with some sense yeah hey one week you guys killed 50 someone killed 51 people yeah we're gonna get rid of the the weapon that could kill 51 people you know and people are turning in their guns like they're not having any issues with it it's also nice to have an actual political leader with real actual compassion trump's response is very lukewarm you know to say the least my best regards yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah 
super lukewarm. What was that graduation? Mm-hmm. Where the best yeah. regards? Yeah. But people would point out, like when he went to the Stoneman Douglas shooting, he went to the hospital and posed for pictures, and he's smiling and thumbs upping. Mm-hmm. Compared to, oh. to the Prime Minister of New Zealand, who's very somber and she's compassionate, she's showing, trying to show as much empathy. Yeah, you know, there there's a stark difference between the responses in the United States and the responses in in New Zealand and around the world. But because New Zealand's a relatively progressive country that said it's a settler colonial country that's true There's white people only live in new zealand because they settled it yeah they took they took the no, maori and shit yeah, right they took over but, yeah, but i mean i think also the fix there's been a weird fix don't get me wrong i have you know there's a, there's a good level of, of you know respect for the prime minister of new zealand for doing what she's done for taking charge mm-hmm. for you know for the country really coming together uh, the, i get all emotional about the the haka right like it's a very powerful movement it is, yeah. but at the same note it's you know there's a weird kind of fixation it's like oh okay white woman wore a hijab yeah yeah you know what it. i mean like the victims have almost kind of been forgotten and the focus is entirely on yeah. The Prime Minister of New Zealand. Don't yeah. get me wrong. She's done great things, but there is a kind of... Our, even our, our, our coverage of the right. event, in our attempt to be empathetic, you're kind of going, well, hold on a minute here. <laughs> 90% of you don't know the names of the victims. That's true. I think the thing is, is that they're trying to show how her response was... Like, Contrasted the Trump. Yeah, no, no, I could get that. Yeah. I get that. So I understand why they're doing it. Um, for us, right, like like I said earlier, it happened on a Thursday night for us, right? Like, mm. we saw it happening live on a Thursday. Um, the next day was a Friday for us, right? It was. So, for uh, most Muslims in the U.S., they woke up the next day and thought about going to Jummah prayers. Yeah. Um, personally, I haven't gone to Jummah prayer and, like, Friday prayer in, I don't know, six, seven years, maybe, right? Um, I can't remember the last time I went, to be honest. Um, but for me, I wanted to go last friday because i felt like it was like a sense of fear right like i know i shouldn't have been afraid but because of it like i was afraid something bad was going to happen someone was going to try to copycat i i'm not some fucking hero but i didn't want my mom to be there alone right like i couldn't bear the the thought of my mom being there and me not being there and something bad happening and me not being there to try and protect her you know like so i went because of fear right and a lot of the, uh, the the sermon, right, the khutbah that the sheikh gave, I don't remember the sheikh's name, and I honestly couldn't care less about his name, to be honest, and you'll find out why. But some of his khutbah was nice, right? His sermon was nice. He he said, in times like these, we could either break away from the community, mm. or we could unite as a community and become stronger. Mm. That makes sense, right? You know, like, take this opportunity to, to unite and, and build and become bigger and better right but he kept referring to it as a mass shooting right mm-hmm. he kept saying the mass shooting at christ church at the masjids you know the mass shooting the mass shooting the mass shooting it was despicable it was a terrible mass shooting and um i was getting mad mm-hmm. like during during the sermon I'm, I'm sitting there and i'm like why does this guy keep calling it a mass shooting mm-hmm. like okay yeah t- technically it is it's a mass shooting right but let's language is important and let's call it what it is mm-hmm. It's an act of terror, mm. right? The guy wrote a manifesto. The guy wanted to scare Muslims. The guy succeeded in scaring Muslims. I was in fear. The next, I, I'm fucking thousands of miles mm. away, and I was afraid something like that was going to happen here. People in New Zealand, Muslims in New Zealand, are were probably fucking shaken up to the core. And there's a debate going on right now about whether 
Mehdi Hassan of Al Jazeera pointed out that 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 uh, white terrorists have to work extra hard to be called terrorists. No, it's the one activity that white people uh, do all the work and get you know none of the credit. None of the credit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Usually it's the other way around. They do none of the work and get <laughs> yeah. all the credit. Right. Yeah. So that, he joked about that. Yeah. He said that, and he, he's got a good point. Now uh, some some journalists disagree with him, and they're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> Rumiki Kalamachi was a. This woman who's put herself out as kind of an expert on, on ISIS, she's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, no shade, but she's not. Yeah. Um, but she was. She argues that, oh, well, you know, my timeline always fills up that whenever there's a Muslim terrorist attack, that, oh, it's mental health, mental health, people don't call it attack. And people said, that may be your timeline. Here's the actual, the empirical studies on it. And several people linked multiple social studies that mm-hmm. indicate that overwhelmingly white terrorists are not called terrorists even this past one right now mm-hmm. was called in the new york times was called the church uh the the christ, christ church. church attacker yeah they right. use the word attacker not terrorist yeah her own new york times so there's but there's a debate going on and i think we're not we're not honest about our, no. our coverage here but but because here's the thing right and i know like people are gonna be like well you're brown that's why you're saying this but no it's it's, it's facts right it's a lot easier to call a brown man a terrorist, right? Because they're other, they're different than you, right? So it's easy to demonize them and, and look at them as they're a monster, right? Because they're different. They're not... They're... I don't... Here's the thing. Here's where I slightly disagree with you. I don't even think it's a demonizing. Or at least a deliberate, conscious de- demonizing. Most people who, who are part of this discourse don't wake up and go... How am I going to fuck over brown people today? That's not mm-hmm. what they do, right? That's not the conscious act that they're making. But they're part of a discourse that's so normalized mm-hmm. that they don't even realize that they're doing. Islamophobia is the most mainstream of the bigotries. Other forms of, of bigotry and racism might be structural. For example, anti-black racism is deeply structural. Right? Uh-huh. Nobody likes being called a racist. That's no. how we know we've convinced that at least culturally... We've done. We've moved away from race from being anti-black, but structurally we haven't, right? Mm-hmm. You, t- you you allow all the forms of bigotry and racism to continue. You just don't want to be called a racist while it happens. Yeah, like you still have yeah, like, you, you uh, get, housing policy, right. all of that shit, right? Like that. Yeah. Islamophobia, on the other hand, is the most acceptable forms of the, of bigotry. It's overt because it's it's part of the discourse. But the average person doesn't wake up and going, "I'm an Islamophobe," or "I don't like Muslims," or "I hate brown people." They don't think that way. It's simply part of the normative experience, and that's what makes it so much more insidious. I'll give you an example of this: uh, New York Times uh, op-ed columnist Brett Stevens, who originally was from the Washington Post, conservative dude. Uh, wrote the disease of the Arab mind. Mm-hmm. Now replace Arab with any other race, with black. Would you? If I had written the disease of the black mind, I would rightfully be fired. As you should. Yeah. Rightfully, and yeah. it should be that way. Mm-hmm. Brett Stevens still has his job at the New York Times, still enjoys a lucrative career, and is still treated as a serious thinker by most people. And he wrote the disease of the Arab mind. That's how normative it is. That's how it's part of our discourse. We talk about Islamophobia as if it's something that happens on the fringe. Those crazy people do it. But it actually exists in the mainstream. The people who carry out terrorist attacks are simply a more vulgar manifestation of it. It's not a sophisticated manifestation. Okay, here's the thing, right? With Islamophobia, you said something about how it's it's mainstream and... A little off topic, but I'm going to bring it back 
to this topic. We'll see. Just the other day, I think it was yesterday or Tuesday, there's a comedian by the name of Jess Hilarious, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a black, oh, black yeah, yeah. female comedian yeah. who was recording her getting on a plane. She recorded four Sikh men yeah. and was talking about how she felt uncomfortable yeah. with these people on the plane. Oh, they better not be going on my plane, blah, 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 right? I guess they evacuated the plane and then she started recording herself on. She's like, I'm not a racist, but you know, I think it's funny how those people that I was worried about aren't on the plane. Well, right? This is evidence, first and foremost, that Islamophobia is racialized. Right? Yeah. The fact that the very first victim of post 9 11 hate crime was a Sikh, Sikh man. man. Yeah. Because people, they, they conflate Sikh and Muslim because they see turban, they see beard, they see brown person. They see brown person. They're like, oh, Muslim terrorist, mm-hmm. right? But again, they they see Muslim terrorists, right? Yeah. They they bring that word in. It's easy to say that us brown people are terrorists. It's a common like insult. Like if someone wants to insult me and you in the street, and if they don't know us, yeah. what's some of the first but things they're the, gonna say? The, the reason that is is because of a particular discourse that's manufactured within the United States, namely one that is driven by foreign policy. Uh, there's a scholar Mamdani that talks about the good Muslim, bad Muslim framework, and mm-hmm. that all Muslims are placed within that framework. They're either good slash moderate Muslims, or they're bad slash extremist Muslims. But there is no nuance there. That there is that that framework is the normative understanding of Muslims. That no other framework framework exists not that muslims exist in their own right that they have their own beliefs their own political aspirations etc no they're either moderate or they're extremist everybody falls within that understanding of of muslimness within american discourse and frankly for that matter western discourse right mm-hmm. watch when the the democrats go on the democratic debates happen every single one of them they don't consider themselves islamophobic the exact opposite of the republicans we're not racist we're inclusive yeah. stronger together tulsi gabbard right well, the exception of her stronger together but every single one of them will talk about national security as if it's a foreign threat mm-hmm. right they will talk about ext- they won't say extreme vetting but they will say vetting mm-hmm they won't say, oh, we're going to ban Muslims, but mm-hmm. they are going to talk about visas, immigration, etc., as if national security is predominantly dealt with people over there, mm-hmm. extremists over there. What we have here are moderates, right? But that framework elides, erases, and completely overlooks the fact that the overwhelming majority of terrorism is domestic. Well, it's exactly. Right? It's- that framework exists as the normative understanding of muslims but, normative but that's that's my point exactly right it's easier to look at an em- enemy from the outs uh, of enemy of the outside as opposed from the enemy on the inside right it's easier to frame the brown person as a muslim uh, uh, the brown person as a terrorist than it is to frame a white person as a terrorist because that white person could be your neighbor right that white person could could be your son but when it's a muslim you're still seen as an other we're not seen as americans fully right people tell us all the time like yeah you know you're an american you're an american but no they don't see me as an american if they saw me or you as an american they wouldn't ask us where we're from mm. right you don't ask random white people where they're from mm. but you ask brown people where they're mm. from you ask because to to you we're inherently un-American. But part of the acknowledging of, of a white person as a terrorist would be to acknowledge that something like white supremacy exists. And no one wants to admit that white supremacy exists mm-hmm. because then you would, you would you target something that benefits you in, inherently. So the idea is that these people are loners, mentally ill, etc. Is, is not a way of excusing away. It's a way of literally self-preserving. 
preserving the self, refusing to acknowledge that you are part of a system of alienation, othering, and uh, demonizing. Yeah, it's just... Uh, it, 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 I think the thing that pissed me off the most is that it came from another Muslim, right? Because this whole thing started by me saying that I was at the mosque and, and the, the sheikh kept calling it a mass shooting. And the reason why I think he kept calling it a mass shooting is we had the mayor of Mission Viejo there. We had city council members. We had the chief of police there. I, I commend them for coming. Good on you for coming, right? You want to make us feel like we're a part of the community? Show up. Great. I, I respect that. I think it might be a little PR ploy for you, but you know what? Cool. Good on you for coming. But that shouldn't excuse the language that we use. Like, when we're in that setting, as a Muslim who's been called a terrorist in the past or, or have seen others been labeled as that word, fucking label the guy for what he is. He was a white, ter- a white nationalist terrorist. Don't fucking shy away from it, especially in your community. Because there was a clear message this guy was trying to say, trying to spread, right, by, by doing what he did. Yeah, but even, I'm going to push further because just recognizing that he's a terrorist isn't enough. Uh, the but it's a step, that, though. Uh, I don't know. Because the, the, part of the problem is that we, we keep going for kind of superficial representational politics. And this is part of it, right? We want white people to be represented in terrorism now. And that's great. That's a good, that's a step. But that's not going to solve anything. And it's not even a step in the right direction, to be honest. It's just a step, right? Okay, expand the definition of terrorism from not just being about brown people doing bad things to being white people also doing bad things. But that, no, in no way, shape, or form, also acknowledges the fact that that this is part of a institutional industry that produces terrorism. There's no part uh, that acknowledges culpability, complicity. No part that completely talks about the discourse. Okay, great. So now that New York Times is going to run uh, the New Zealand guy as a terrorist, right? How does that address things like the surveillance state? How does that address things like like uh, the ongoing war on terror? Because How does that address things? Because this is the problem with representational politics is that it is a step, but it's actually it looks like it's it's change and progress without actually anything changing. I don't I do care that they call him a terrorist. I'm not saying I don't care. Mm-hmm. Great, call him a terrorist. But for God's sake, if we think that calling him the terrorist is the metric, we've set the bar really low. We've no. set the bar really really low. But but here's the thing right if we're acknowledging that these people are terrorists when we're saying that there's a fucking war on terror which i don't know if it's still going on are we still in a war on terror it's been going we on. Right. war on everything okay though. so if we're still in a war on terror if we could acknowledge that terrorism is also domestic from all like alt-right white terrorists then we have to go to war with the alt-right white yeah, but terrorists. see this is the thing again this goes back to the the what i was pointing out you expand the definition of terrorism to that that's great i'm not against that but that doesn't actually solve anything all that does is say okay now apply the security apparatus domestically well we've been doing that anyways have we? To fucking white nationalists? Not to white nationalists, but we've been doing it domestically. So all we've done is extend, we haven't dismantled. So here's an example of this is New Zealand, right? Everyone's talking about the great uh, signs of solidarity from New Zealand. I'm not denying it in any way, shape, or form. The prime minister is great. I'm very happy that they played the Adan, the call to prayer, and they had mm-hmm. a moment of silence, that she showed up with the hijab, that they banned the assault rifle. But nowhere nowhere amongst all of those great symbolic representative acts was there discussion of the fact that New Zealand was founded on white supremacy. Yeah. Not a single conversation that said the fact that we exist 
is evidence of white supremacy. Yeah. There was an yeah. indigenous Maori culture here. There's people that have lived here. We showed up. Yeah, and they also don't acknowledge the fact that, like like African Americans in our nation, uh, you know, the Maori people, you know, they have higher rates of arrest. They have mm-hmm. higher rates of sentencing. Despite the fact that you know, New Zealand now predominantly white, predominantly white, and know? claims to be progressive and liberal, and- yeah. Mm-hmm. But these are these are these are part of the systems, right? Like mm-hmm. like you said, this is it's like the apparatus itself is a problem, yeah. Right, and uh, I think it's important. I wanted to bring up um, a comic actually by uh, uh, by this writer named Toby Morris. It's called This Is Us, and it's on the spinoff, which is like an online magazine that's based out of New Zealand. Uh, I think what's important about this actually is it it talks about about the idea of people saying that this isn't New Zealand or this isn't us, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which I think people tend to do, yeah. right? Because it's like you're going to separate yourself from from a psycho like that, right? Yeah. But the problem is we're talking about the issue of apparatus, and there's a really a great quote in this uh, in this comic. I urge you to read it, read the whole thing, because it's actually pretty amazing. But um, in this one, it says, This didn't come out of nowhere. Overt acts of horror are built on top of a lifetime of smaller everyday assumptions. Structures and systems that reinforce an undercurrent of white superiority. He goes on to talk about the elected officials that they put in there, right? The things that they say, the little everyday things that mm-hmm. end up building a structure. Like and something like that. Yeah, shit. something yeah. like this can happen because of these little things that kind of build themselves up. And he kind of ends the comic by saying, um, when we don't say anything, we, lead, we let a vile seed grow. This is bullshit. The idea of us and them. But that that's wrong. There's only us, all of us. This is us, right? Mm-hmm. And he, I think he... Uh, it's a really powerful comic. And it was actually... I think it was trending on Twitter the day after the shooting happened. Yeah. Um, I urge you to just go to the spinoff.co.nz. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, it's, it's probably on their front page because it, it kind of went viral. But I think this is an important comic for anyone to and read. And you just search This Is Us. Not the TV show This Is Us. Which that, is also kind of... That'll make emotional. you cry for other reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The thing that I saw trending online the day after was uh, that response from what's his face? Ah, uh, yes, the hero that the nation deserves. Yes, the face that sunk a thousand ships. That's right. The fa- yeah, the what? Helen of Troy. Yeah, the face that launched a thousand ships was what oh. they said about Helen of Troy. Okay. It's like the mod- our modern. No, actually, no. Helen of Troy was a, was a troublemaker. You said sunk, so I. I, I didn't understand the Helen of Troy reference. You wouldn't have understood it if I had said launch a thousand ships either. <laughs> you know. No. No, no, no. Maybe. No, definitively no. Uh, I could, I'd, I'd, bet, I'd bet your life on it. Well, you can't prove it. <laughs> you can't prove it now. You done failed. It's all so circumstantial. Let me, um, let me set the stage here, okay? Now, we talked about this before. On YouTube, there was a really weird contingency of, like, that white genocide thing that was really big on the YouTube comments for a long time. Mm. A lot of it was based out of Australia, right? There was this influx. With End the, of South Africa. Yeah. And there was that there, there was the Tony Abbott and, mm. you know, these other MPs and everything else that have uh, that have been elected into office mm-hmm. um, in, in Australia. Uh, and there's a senator uh, by the name of Fraser Anning. Uh, you know, sounds like a fucking cartoon villain. Yeah, I don't like people with the name Fraser. I didn't like the TV show Fraser either. Why not? I don't know, man. Kelsey Grammer. I think I feel like he has a fake English accent. Like he played the, the original Beast. Atlantic accent. Yeah, it sounds like a fake English yeah, accent. Bostonian. Yeah, it's just a hot. Uh, it was a hot American. I don't like it. Yeah. but so Fraser Anning, uh, somehow he managed to take one of the probably the worst tragedy that can happen, mm-hmm. and managed to blame the victims. 
Oh yeah. In the worst possible way, but he released a statement talking about how this is a indication of the, you know of the growing pressures of immigration in Australia and New Zealand, right? Of these uh, of, of Muslim people coming over. It was uh, it, it was it was his. Um, it was pretty fucking shitty. Yeah. You I, know. Want, I want to punch him in the face after. Yeah. It, it was. It's you know we couldn't right because no. you know we can't we can't reach. All the way over into Melbourne, where he was talking about this shit, and punch him in his face. No, we couldn't. But the hero for this generation, William Connolly, 17. So a solid resistance fighter name. William Connolly. Will, William Connolly, right? So William yeah. Connolly. He's like of he, Melbourne. Yeah. He's like he's like Braveheart without the anti-Semitism. <laughs> right? I knighted um, him. Yeah. <laughs> Kingdom of Illumi. Yeah. Sir, Sir William Colum- Connolly. So this young man, you know, this uh, this hero for the generation, mm-hmm. he goes up to uh, to Anning in, um, when he's in Melbourne doing like a press thing, right? And he's recording. He takes an egg oh. and he smashes it on Anning's head. Ah, right? it was the world record egg. I think it's. I think what's great about it though is it's just like if you actually look at Fraser Anning, the guy looks like a fucking egg. Yeah, he literally looks. He's like he's just white as snow. He got mayonnaise complexion, bald as you know, just bald as shit. Right? Stop looking at Ali when you're saying that. He's not looking at me. He's looking at you. <laughs> yeah. Eh, well, that for dramatic purposes, he was looking at you. <laughs> he's making you, up shit. you made yeah. shit up just to make it more dramatic. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it was better that way. <laughs> Well, not anymore. You ruined it. <laughs> I don't play with fake news. No fake news on my podcast. A good segment here. V making fun of your baldness. I wasn't making. What you, that's, I wasn't making fun of his baldness. Your response to him through egging this guy was like. Yeah, people pretty, love this kid. No, no, I mean not yeah. that. I mean the immediate response oh, was very oh, yeah. violent. Oh, yeah, because him. okay, so Fraser turned around, and turns him. around, and he claims to have slapped him twice with an open hand. Yeah. Right, but it looked like he punched this kid. We punched right? him, looked at him, realized he was a seventeen-year-old. He did. He pulled a diz. Yeah. Realized he was non-threatening, so struck him again. <laughs> hey, <Yeah>. man, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, and then it's and a coward's then, way. The kid got tackled by a bunch of freaking, uh, you know, goons by by uh, Anning's goon squad. They, they were choking him out. Yeah, see, they were choking him out like he was trying to sell cigarettes on the on the side of the street. Too soon. You can't, too soon. No, you can't make that joke. Yeah, there's a line, goddammit. That's, that's a bit far. <laughs> no. But I will say, I will say, there's the, the, the eggs on this guy, the cojones on this guy, mm-hmm. the balls on this guy. Yeah, no. The, the little kid, 17-year-old, someone pointed out onto a scrawny little fuck, decides that he's going to, first of all, his fifth grade science teacher is proud of him yeah. for being able to carry the egg from wherever it was that he started. To yeah, smuggling the eggs. The, the, I mean, that was a science experiment we all did, right? Yeah, it's yeah. how to keep an egg safe, right? Mine failed. So uh, we, we, we did the egg drop. Yeah, yeah. So you had to our, drop it from the top of the roof yeah. of the school. Yeah, I failed. And no, we, I didn't. Uh, and... He met, he passed. He passed oh. that portion of it. But then he walks in knowing that he's a little white kid. He's the only kid that could actually infiltrate. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Diz and I couldn't have made it. No. You couldn't have made it. But yeah, yeah. he did. He got in there. Saw. I gave him an opportunity. Listened to him for a few seconds. Realized that he was still on his bullshit. Yeah. So he pulls out his cell phone. Starts recording. Knows that he's immediately going to get tackled by these goons. And eggs him anyways. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's a lot of balls on this kid. He gets tackled by these guys, completely nonplussed, un- mm-hmm. unshooketh, mm-hmm. unshooketh, doesn't care. He's getting choked out. Cops show up and he goes, here comes the bacon to go with the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's a little funny guy. Yeah, yeah. 
He's got a, he's got a future ahead of him. This kid doesn't have, does absolutely have a future. Did you, ahead did of you him. must be nice to be white. That's to be the able point. To say shit like it, that. Well, like he that. he ended up there was a fundraiser that was uh, started from a GoFundMe oh, yeah, from legal legal fees, but he was released without there was without, two there was two yeah, fundraisers. He was released without any charges, right? Um, yeah. But he said that he was going to donate all that money to the yeah, mosque. Yeah, that's awesome. And you that know, was very awesome. Good, good for you. But in but you do bring up a point. Like, yeah, he, William, was, yeah. he was white. William Connolly is using his privilege yeah. I think, in this situation to kind of to yeah. help. But it's uh, I got to bring it back to my man Paul Mooney again. You know the complexion for the protection, man. Like it works. I mean, there's yeah. a there's a series of videos that have been going up that show about what true allyship really looks like. We saw this up in San Francisco as well. Sacramento. Sacramento as well when we saw white allies put themselves bodily between police officers and people of color mm-hmm. in order to stop the police from from attacking. I mean, these are examples of how you can use real privilege to your benefit. But it also goes to show you that who the person is that is doing the quote-unquote resistance does matter, right? Here, a little white kid hailed as a hero. But if it was you and I... No, we'd be terrorists. We'd be terrorists. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Senator survives act of terror. Yeah, so like who was uh, the guy who threw the shoe at George W. Bush? He was put in jail. He was put in jail. <laughs> he was put in jail. He just got out recently. He got out recently. He threw his shoe. And he said no regrets. Yeah. And then yeah, our, our friend uh, William Connolly here, you know, who's, uh, I mean, who who I love. You know, he's he's the, he's our Patronus. We haven't done one in a long time, but I, I like to think that he's the egg boy is our Patronus. Egg boy. For this week. The world record egg. I said that if we, if there was should be a GoFundMe that just gets eggs to this guy because he'd single-handedly no, end fascism. They mm. did. They did. They there was a GoFundMe just to give him more, more eggs. eggs. Yeah. So there's two GoFundMe. This guy should just we should we, we should pay for him to travel around the world and egg fascists. Yeah, but eventually he'll get caught. We have to find other William Connollys. Nah, I think he'd be fine. We need to find Billy Connolly the second. Mm. He's dying. Billy Connolly the second. Billy Connolly is dying. Who's Billy Bill Con- Colony? Co- Colony. Bill Connolly. Connolly. Who's Bill Connolly? The comedian, the Scottish comedian. I don't know who that is. He's from uh, The Hobbit. Uh, he plays uh, Durin. Or not Durin. Thorin's uh, cousin. I don't know. Oh, one of the dwarves. The, uh, the dwarf that, ri- that rides the pig. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. They all look the Bill same Bill Connolly. He's wow. But all the dwarves look the same that's to me. Right, what the hell, man? I'm not lying. They all had beards. They were little... I can't can't help it. So the next generation, I think, is we you know we are uh, they're birthing some interesting people. Yeah, well, we'll some piece, some some Generation Z has some uh, some very active active young uh, revolutionaries. David Hogg, you know, being one of them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I also actually wanted to bring up, and this kind of I think this also kind of shows the double standard within liberal circles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, was uh, what had happened uh, with uh, Ilan Omar. You know, and um, and Chelsea Clinton, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, now, this was what the seventeenth, so not too long ago either. A couple of days, like last week, pretty much. Now, uh, Chelsea Clinton, uh, where is it? She went to NYU. Yeah, there it is. Okay, so Chelsea Clinton was at NYU, and these two students mm-hmm. was it? La, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Is that Dean yeah, yeah. Dweek? A W? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And then there was also Rose Asaf. Yeah. Right. They were attending the vigil at uh, the school's Islamic Center. And uh-huh. then for the uh, for the victims of the New Zealand um, massacre, and you know they essentially kind of approached her for her tweet about against Ilhan, against Omar. Ilhan Omar, right? And you know Chelsea Clinton had tweeted this thing about uh, you know uh, co-signed as an American, we should expect all elected officials, regardless of party and all public figures, to not traffic in anti-Semitism. Mm. That's a very problematic tweet, mm. right? Uh, obviously, you could you could expand on it more than I could, but. What's crazy is that the the response on Twitter from people who claim to be, you know, who are on the left, 
for these apparently these two girls who who apparently quote unquote accosted Chelsea Clinton, mm. you know, in the kind of the most ridiculous way. And it wasn't like they weren't yelling at her or anything. It was actually, you know, it was it was a little heated, but it wasn't like they weren't mm. like yelling racial slurs at her. They weren't insulting her. They were. But kinda, they ended up getting bullied. On yeah, Twitter. like they really they caught a lot of shit. And this wasn't even from people on the right. This was from people who who were liberal. Well, there was interesting. It's like the blue check marks all rallied around Clinton. There was yeah. a funny meme, the meme of the night. Protecting the woman from arrows. Yeah. Uh-huh. Said in blue check marks. Hillary Clinton and the arrows. Yeah. Chelsea Clinton. Chelsea Clinton. Uh-huh. They, I mean, you, you just saw them all rallying. Uh, Baluch, our friend over at there's the apartment with Asif, Asif and uh, Baluch in the apartment, the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he put out a really funny meme where it shows a, a bunch of people worshiping a fire in a ring, and the fire in the ring is a. Uh, Chelsea Clinton, yeah. and everyone around them is the blue check marks. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really well done. But it's true, right? Like the, you saw a bunch of these kind of liberal elites. Yashar Ali, this freelance journalist, Iranian journalist, who all of a sudden jumped to the defense of, oh, poor Chelsea, poor Chelsea. Somehow, in America, they managed to make the death and massacre and slaughter of 50 Muslims about Chelsea Clinton within 24 hours. Yeah, somehow. Literally. Within 24 hours, it became about protecting Chelsea Clinton's feelings. Fuck the Muslims. And then in response, these poor girls were getting death threats, not only on Twitter from these people who were who were exposing her, uh, exposing them and uh, really kind of targeting them and directing mm-hmm. their millions of followers to pile on, but then people were actually emailing them. Yeah, and, and this, is, this really kind of shows the kind of stupid double standard that we have. I think also... Um, and you know we didn't mention I didn't mention this last week, but I also feel like the double the double standard that kind of came with that college cheating scandal too, right? Kind of shows how stupid, how kind of shitty liberals can be. Also, mm-hmm. in the sense that the there is a very big double standard between between these supposedly people who are on the left, mm-hmm. you know, who are rich versus the ones who are poor, right? And then in this situation, someone who's white versus someone who isn't white. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, we have it's important that we all look inward, especially you know, especially with our the people who align with our values. Because if we don't do that, then I think that presents even more problems. This is why I don't you know? know. Unless there's any real structural attempt at addressing things like Islamophobia, there's no movement in the United States. 24 hours. 24 hours and Twitter was protecting Chelsea Clinton. Yeah. It's well, a lot of lip service bullshit is what Here's it is. the thing, all right? People don't like strong women of color standing up and speaking out against things. Why do you think the right is afraid of people like Rashida Tlaib... Ilhan Omar and Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. And Alana Alana Presley. Yeah, because women of color who speak out are seen as a threat and they're afraid of them, right? But it's usually women of color who stand up and make the difference first, right? Mm. Like, the most badass protesters I've seen in the past, like, five to ten years have been women of color. There was a black woman who rose up and, and took the Confederate flag down in South Carolina mm-hmm. after the Charleston shoot after the Charleston shooting, yeah. right? There was a black woman who stood up in front of fucking a police in like SWAT gear to for for Black Lives Matter, right? Yeah. It's women of color who do things first and who start the movement, but we're afraid of them and we. Talk I don't sh- think it's afraid. I don't think it's fear. What do you think it is? It's protection of privilege. White white women, white men. Rich people, all of them are threatened. No, they're not afraid of fear. That and no, no, no. They're not afraid because if they were afraid, then they would be. Then they would try to change. They're not afraid. What they're doing is they're protecting themselves. Mm-hmm. They're making sure because they see these people as a threat. At the end of the day, what you see, Gramsci said it best. You will see the unity of the ruling party. 
It doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, whether you're conservative, or you're a liberal. Mm -hmm. There is a ruling party. There is a ruling elite. And the ruling elite are, are elite by virtue of prestige, privilege, power, and money. Mm -hmm. That's what matters. When you have the Yashar Ali's of the world, when you have the Meghan McCain's of the world, the Chelsea Clinton's—I mean, look, think about it. Chelsea Clinton is known for what? Um, nearly dating Butthead in the Beavis and Butthead Do America movie. What's what's like her? Well, I'm doing me wrong. She's educated. Yeah. She's, but she's tell daughter me, of a president. Why is she? Why is she a provost at NYU? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Right? <laughs> why is Meghan McCain on the View? Her papa. I mean, like literally, her claim to fame every single, and she, she, she will not let us forget it. I'm, I'm, I'm John McCain's daughter. Mm -hmm. She yeah. says it like every. She like says every, my father, my father, my, my father, this, my father. I'm John yeah. McCain's daughter. He's like, really? That's that's your claim to. That's why we need to listen to your analysis. That's why we need to yeah. listen to your commentary. That's why you need to be protected. It's like uh, everyone rising to the defense of John McCain. I get it. He's dead. He was a, your war hero or whatnot. But John McCain also had a bunch of really shitty policies. Mm. We should be able to criticize him. I'm not saying we should attack him. He's dead. It's, you know, it is what it is. Don't thank Trump but, for his funeral. For, for, for fuck's sake. Do, are we in such a state that whether you're Democrat or Republican, you... <gasps> we can't yeah. even criticize John McCain? Yeah. Th that's the unity of the ruling elite. You know, that you can't... Your, your community just got attacked. But you can't say some words to Chelsea Clinton. How dare you, you uppity brown girl. You know, people That's are, the problem. People are very okay with talking shit about the Kardashians because they're famous for being part of a famous family. But everyone else is like that too. Yeah, but like we can't talk shit about Chelsea Clinton because she's from a famous family. No, exactly. yeah. She does the whole like, oh, she's really polite on Twitter. So people are like, oh my God, Chelsea Clinton, she's yeah. so poised. I'm like, okay, great. She's poised. But you do realize she's poised because she doesn't have to worry about what her, where her next meal is coming from. She's poised because she never has to worry that any of the policies that have been put forth by Trump are going to directly affect her in any way, shape, or form. There's no scarcity. There's no real risk for her. So she doesn't have to be anything. She, doesn't, she, can, be, she can afford to be poised. If you're hurting as a community, you can't afford to do it. Those two girls, maybe they weren't the most elegant of speakers. Maybe they didn't have the right approach or whatever. But they were hurting. No one cared about them hurting. They cared about the feelings of Chelsea Clinton. Let's, let's end this conversation about privilege by talking about the ultimate manifestation of privilege. Who? Beto O'Rourke. Oh, white Obama. <laughs> so let's, I want to, I want to end on this one because I think one, it's a little bit lighter of a tone than the, the dark conversation. We've had, He's not also, the white Obama, but also like, what the hell? Look, I get, I get that everyone's really excited about Beto. He's, 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 announced this is the reason we're talking is that he's finally officially announced everyone knew that he was going yeah. to uh, we had some inside information a good friend of ours uh had some connections to the campaign uh he gave us a little bit of a heads up so shout out to him he knows who's he knows who he is uh, don't say anything okay uh, I, I don't want to give it away right <laughs> i won't say nothing he's a good, shout out to him and he called it he was 100 percent right um and we everyone kind of suspected because he's been hinting he's like oh you know maybe i'll run maybe i won't and then he finally announced but i gotta admit is like i know some people are really down with it and people are really excited but i don't get it there's there's a level of entitlement to going i lost the senate race he could easily run for the other senate race, right mm -hmm. he could do what andrew gilliam is doing mm -hmm. andrew gilliam is saying i'm going to register more voters in florida than ever so that i could make trump lose florida Hell yeah, that's a team player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Absolutely. He doesn't put his ego first. He's working hard to register people. Mm -hmm. 
But Beta lost the Senate and goes, you know what? There's only well, there's only one where I can go from here. Yeah. The presidency. Yes. <laughs> it's only up from here. Yeah. <laughs> no one, I don't think anyone, especially a person of color, has ever gone, I've lost this election. I the only way forward is to go for an even bigger seat. You had to uh, fail forward. <laughs> yeah, this fail it's, forward thing, I don't quite understand. Well, people were assuming that Stacey Abrams would run for president. Well, there's talk that Biden, if he announces, uh-huh. might bring her on very early on. Mm-hmm. as a VP pick. And that's because oh, if that's he does that, yeah. he recognizes that his candidacy is weak if he does that. Uh-huh. That means he's, usually you pick your VP much later, right? Yeah. But doing this would be oh, an attempt yeah. to... You pick your VP before the, the convention. You, this is this would be... Doing this early would be to basically say, I'm, I need to shore yeah, up I the need vote. a bolster, yeah. yeah. He's also... It would also be an indication that he probably would only run as a one-term president mm-hmm. and maybe hand it off to the VP as a successor, someone younger. So, he, you know, Biden's thinking all sorts of stuff, but there is a... There's, like, this Beto thing is kind of driving me nuts a little bit, right? It's like, mm-hmm. not only is he running for president, but people have rightfully called out that he's put forth no fucking policy. Yeah, it's um, so the, the students at Penn State actually. Yes. Um, this is what's interesting because I, you know, this is also kind of the difference in in news media too. Which if it was when I was like looking up kind of the questions that were asked. Mm-hmm. Right now, a lot of the you know others uh, certain websites would talk more about kind of the general. The kind of the general mood of the thing, right? He was able to rally people really happy Very with excited, him. Yeah. Wearing a Penn State cap, raised six point one million dollars in the yeah. first day, more than any other. More done. than anyone, yeah. Jared Kushner's brother fucking loves the guy. What? Donated two grand to the campaign. Jared Kushner's the brother. unity of the ruling class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's manifested in the state. Yes. <laughs> It's going to be the motto we keep repeating. <laughs> you keep repeating. I can't even fucking say that. So, Unity of the ruling class. <laughs> there, There is all that. But then if you look at kind of the more conservative sites, they only focus on one specific thing. And it's a, a, a someone who's basically saying, I want more out of your website than just platitudes and all this other stuff. So it's like... One, she herself is a Bernie supporter. Yeah, she's a Bernie supporter, right? And I'm, I tend to agree, right? Because Beto hasn't actually... That is that is one criticism. He hasn't actually put forth any real no. policy. I, you know, yeah. I joked the other day. It's like the only exciting thing about Beto was that he was running against <laughs> Ted Cruz. Bless, Bless you. you. Thank you. We, that's really all it was. Like He was exciting so long as he was running against Ted Cruz. Yeah, that's true. But the, but like, as anyone for, but Cruz. Anyone but Cruz. But like now that he's running for presidency, it's like he could be working on the ground in Texas. Texas is really close. He could be working on the ground to register people and help to turn Texas blue. Uh-huh. But he's not. Instead, he's, he thinks that he's quite... He actually said, I was born for this. Yeah. Holy... Anyone who says, I was born for this, for the president... I mean, there's a level of egoism involved to run for president anyways, but that's another level. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, you have people like Elizabeth Warren, who you may not always agree with, but Elizabeth Warren has been churning out the policies. Uh-huh. She's the only person who's called for a first person to say, let's abolish the Electoral College. She's the first person to say, let's break up big tech, right? She's big like, tech. Facebook... Yeah, that's what I said. It's tank. I break up Facebook... Instagram, all that shit, right? She's put out, put affordable housing to the center of her policies. They asked Beto the other day, what do you think about big tech? Oh, I haven't thought about it yet. What? He's got no policies, but what he does is this kind of moderate, 
semi-inspirational when they say what is an American I see you in my eyes oh. which are a light yeah. for the truth and you're like wait what it no, sounds like up. it sounds like vaguely good it's, it makes you kind of feel warm and fuzzy but when you walk away you're like he didn't actually say anything did he he just okay. says you know like he, he makes you when you know, and then he'll, he'll throw in some Spanish words in there because he's bilingual he right? wants to be the white Obama he does but yeah. I mean, in Obama's defense Obama it was wonky himself though uh-huh. he, was, he, was a, he was a guy who was a policy wonk he knew his policy really well he was a nerd he studied he was a constitutional law professor and while yeah he had he also had those vaguely moderate he was moderate but with vaguely kind of warm feely platitudes he was also really smart though and i'm not saying beto isn't smart but it's like he's got enough other than the fact that he ran for senate uh-huh. and lost he's not brought anything to this table no yeah, that's true. I think nothing. You've also mentioned too, and I, I intend to agree. Uh, he's progressive for a Texan, but he's not, not progressive, progressive bro, by progressive no standards. Way. No. Um, and, and you know, and I'm reading an article on Philly.com right now talking about the whole Penn State thing, right? And they interviewed a couple people, and it seems like what a, the kind of the general consensus here is that he's a charismatic leader. Very charismatic, but he's not exactly like. In terms of the leading part, no one really knows how he's actually going to be as an actual... No, I mean, it doesn't make... I don't understand. Bernie Sanders right now, love him or hate him, is at the UC strikes. UC student workers have striked, and he went and he showed up. He practices what he preaches, right? Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Warren, as, as, as nerdy and wonky as she is, does a brilliant job of bringing her kind of nerdy side with her real clear moral message i've mentioned that i'm not a big fan of the whole moral capitalism thing myself yeah right but i'm i'm, I'm getting swept up a little bit I'm like i love that she's got this real clear moral vision okay right that society is wrong and it's screwing over the little guy and we need to fix it it's our moral imperative to fix it her outrage against the the uh, the uh Wells Fargo's and chases of the world. I'm right, and then she links that with actual policy. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do this, and we're gonna do that. We're gonna. I like that. You know, even even other candidates. I don't like Kamala Harris by the least bit, but she's got policy out there. Beto doesn't, and not only does he not have have policy out there. Booker does again, uh, not 100 percent on board with him. But the thing with Beto and and is that not only does he not have policy, but he hasn't even thought through a lot of this stuff. No. People ask him, he's like, I got to think about this some more. And I go, okay, then why are you running? You know what I'm afraid of, Ali? This is what I'm afraid of, right? You're afraid of a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm afraid of the dark. Spider-Man. I'm not afraid of Spider-Man. Peanuts. Peanuts. I'm not afraid of those. Kiwis. I'm not afraid of stop Mangoes. Ranch spreading dressing. rumors. Yeah. These are rumors. Baseless accusations. Powerful women. Wait, get the fuck out of here. These are baseless accusations. Now listen, here's what I'm afraid of, all right? I'm afraid... That these motherfuckers are going to do the dumb thing that they did back in 2016. What they did in 2016 was, is that they fucking pissed off voters because they went and attacked each other. So people who wanted to vote for Bernie were like, you know what? Well, I don't think they pissed off voters. Voters just ended up getting really bitter and resentful. Yeah, because they kept going at each bitter other. Voters are still resentful. The Clinton people are really angry. That, uh, the, Bi- the, the, uh, the Bernie people. The Bernie people that are still The Bernie people are still and mad at Clinton. the Bernie people are pissed off at the Clinton people. So you have the centrist Democrats who are pissed off at Bernie. And then you have the Bernie people who are pissed off at centrist Democrats. The Democratic Party is not putting forth... They're not dis, as disunited as the as the media wants to make it out to be because to do so, you sell newspapers, you sell clicks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But on the same note, they're not putting out a particularly inspiring vision. Not, I'm not looking at this no. and going, yeah, we got 2020 in the bag. No, I don't think so. Yeah, you yeah. Know, there's a part of me that goes, 
y'all are gonna fuck this up again, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm worried about, right? I think what the Democrats need to do is first off, fucking kick De- Tulsi Gabbard off the fucking ticket. Well, uh, first of all, I don't think a, uh, a, a vibrant primary is a bad thing. Get the debates out there. Get people on policy. I mean, as talk about yourself. Look, as bruising as the primary was in 2016. What it ended up doing is it moved Clinton to the left on a lot of issues. As much as the Bernie Sanders people refused to admit it, she adopted about 90% of Bernie's stances. This is true. Yeah, yeah. It pushed, it forced her. If she was going to unite the left, she needed to adopt his stances. Yeah. So the, the primary serves a purpose. I'm okay with a vigorous primary. My only problem is that that doesn't mean everyone and their mother needs to fucking run. Yeah. We don't need all these people. Yeah. You know? I will say that the field is... I mean, it's a good the the it's field. A big field. Is a, it's a big field, but the people that are in this field, I think, are people that you would normally not have seen. No, you have you the know, first. Like, you, you have people who are gay that are running. You have people who are black. Yeah. You have. Excuse me. You have the first again the first Jewish candidate, mm-hmm. right? Uh, who may perhaps be the first Jewish president? Socialist, socialist, <laughs> socialist president, maybe. Hey, man, relax. Right, yeah. I mean, first socialist. Look, that's exciting. So, uh, in terms of representational politics, exciting. In yeah. terms of policy, exciting. You're having people who are really running to the left for once, right? Mm-hmm. Not just oh, there's Bernie. I mean, Bernie and Warren are really pushing, and then there's Andrew Yang, who's who's kind of left, but he's also got to do some weird, funky things there as well. Don't trust them. Yeah. What? There's a, there's, what? A, huh? there's a lot of kind of interesting things there, but now there's this other guy, a Hinkle Poop or some shit like that, Hinkle something or another. I've heard of this guy. He's, He's also like running. He's a mayor of somewhere, Hinkle mm-hmm. Poop. Is it Hinkle Poop? I, I'll, I'll look it up. Hinkle Pimp? Hinkle something. Yeah, Hinkle. It's Hinkle something. He ran. He's running. And I'm like, I didn't even know who this guy was. He showed up. It's like a small town mayor. A, and then what's his name? Seth, Seth Moulton is running, the guy who, who opposed um, Pelosi. What? That's an, Again, that's another Beto thing. He lost... The leadership bid was vote was trying to oust Pelosi and then lost that and goes, you know what? I should run for president. <laughs> what? what? That's, only, that's a white guy thing to do. It's got to be. Yeah, I don't it's know. Not a lot of white women that go, yeah, I've lost. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run for the next time. I got fired from Starbucks, so I'm gonna take Howard Schultz's yeah, job. Or no, Howard Schultz is another example. Yeah. Yeah, Howard Schultz running there. Everybody's saying we don't want you, and he's like, but clearly you do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, Clearly, he doesn't know how to take gaslight people into like, voting for him. <laughs> he literally the other day he quoted. He was like, he's like, I've been to war zones. I know how to bring people together with a cof- with a cup of coffee, Starbucks coffee. That is I'm like motherfucker selling coffee doesn't mean your foreign policy experience. What the hell? It's like the that's uh, how Trump won. You know, the Godfather's Pizza guy. What's his nine 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 deal? Herman Cain. Or Herman whatever. Cain yeah, had the nine nine nine. Yeah, with his pizza deal. Herman Cain. Herman Cain had a policy. No one knew what it was, but yeah. it was nine nine nine. Yeah, and he stole it from the Domino's uh, 555 deal where you can buy the three medium pizzas for five bucks. It was like nine tax somethings and I was I don't know what it was but it was based Herman Cain was a dude who wore like a cowboy hat and those billboards and shit? No, 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 no. Or is that Michael Steele? No, that's not Michael Steele either. Who was the there was a Steele who ran for president You're you're talking uh, Herman Cain is the older black guy with glasses Mm -hmm. He wore a cowboy hat he never. He didn't wear a cowboy hat for his things. In a billboard, I see. Maybe in a billboard, but he that was not his, that was not his look. Or maybe I seen it on TV. No, you're confusing him with Sheriff Clark. No, no, I know who Sheriff Clark is. Sheriff Clark's a piece of shit. Herman Cain also wore a cowboy hat. But that was in his. That was in his brand. His brand was just him wearing. It was just him in a suit with glasses. Yeah, I know who it is. Whatever. My favorite one was like he was asked about Syria, and he's like, "Hold on, what was it? which one is Syria?" And I'm like, "Oh God, these guys." But now the Democrats are in this position where they're running these people. You kind of go. For God's sake, no. Oh, Governor John 
Hickenlooper. Hickenlooper. That's yeah. what it was. Governor Hicken... of Colorado from 2011 to 2019. Hickenlooper. That was what it was. What did I call him? Hickenlooper. Hinklepoop. Yeah, they call him Hinklepoop. Yeah, Hinklepoop. I, know. I know who Herman Cain is. That's Herman Cain. Yeah. I don't know who the fuck you were talking about. No, that's exactly what I was talking about. He's not wearing, he's not wearing a cowboy hat. Herman Cain. Maybe he wore a yeah, cowboy hat. That's not a cowboy hat. That's, that's not a fedora, you yeah. piece of shit. That's like a trilby or something. Yeah, that's a big ass hat. Look, in this one. That's a cowboy hat. It's <laughs> so dumb. He's wearing a cowboy hat. That's not his brand. Never did it ever. was like, I'm. I don't know, man. Me. I see I'm... all these photos of him and wearing these cowboy hats. <laughs> such an, it's the same fucking thing. I know, photo. it's all from the same day, Diz. <laughs> He's wearing the same suit, too. <laughs> you piece of shit. I'm just saying. This is how fake news happened. Suddenly, sudden Sheriff Clark and Herman Cain have been yeah. fused in Diz's mind because he's a racist. Not a racist. That's how I picture All Herman All black Cain. conservatives are the same. That's not yeah. true. Next to you, people Candace Owen in her cowboy hat. No, man. The Sheriff Clark is light-skinned. Oh, Diz. What? I saw it on Blackish. Diz. <laughs> There's, there's, there's a spectrum. Anyways. <laughs> you know, now Herman Cain's going to get some freaking cowboy hat after, sponsorship. After this fucking podcast, I have no hope for 2020. What? You can't say light skin no anymore? No hope 2020. No hope that, 2020. That's, that's a good that's motto. Uh, I should run for president. <laughs> Are you old enough? I'm sick of t- No, I have to be 35, right? Yeah. You're almost there. I'm almost there. A few more years. You're a year away. I'm not a year away. Fuck <laughs> you. I'm a year away, asshole. I'm sorry, man. But I'm in a few you. years, I'll... I'll I'm going to say that. I'm just going to put this out there. It has nothing to do with anything. Beto O'Rourke has a long fucking neck. He does have a long neck. Uh, He's yeah. got a really long neck. You know what Beto O'Rourke yeah. reminds me of? Beto O'Rourke? He reminds me of that high school kid that always walked around with a novel, but he never actually read the novel, but he always oh, yeah. talked about it. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, yes. right? Yeah, we went He's to, a, we went to school Catcher in the Rye. Like yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> was always Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. It was always Catcher in the Rye, and it was always like... Or Plato. Always, or play, or yeah. Plato's Symposium, yeah, and he'd always yeah. he'd like go, he'd wax poetic about it. Yeah. He's like, but what is it to really read? <laughs> and like all the girls were in love with him because he kind of he sounds semi... He was kind of okay looking, mm-hmm. but he was semi... Seemed like he was intellectual. But anyone who actually reads anything knew that he didn't read shit. Yeah. He talked about it. he'd be like i woke up this morning went to the beach no better place to read like motherfucker you haven't that, you've, i've seen you with that book for three years yeah. how there's long did it take to read no, Catcher in the Rock, there's no way in hell you've been reading that book for three years you illiterate shit tell me what holdsworth's doing now motherfucker. <laughs> but, he, but he'd, he'd sit there and you talk about reading the process of reading it's enlightening and it fills my soul with joy and it's like oh fuck motherfucker this looked, guy again looked up Nietzsche online one day and he thinks he's an expert yeah it's always Nietzsche it's always that yeah. guy but that's what that's who that's who Beto reminds me of that guy everyone had that guy in high school yeah. right now, again don't be wrong uh, there's nothing wrong with Beto I just want more substance I'm sick and tired of this superficial flash shit give me something to make me excited about your presidency yeah we want meat and potatoes yeah. goddammit. but meat apparently people are excited because he raised all that money people are fucking idiots V well yeah they are but they're also the ones that are voting like <laughs> This is true. This is true. People voted Trump. 49% of this country. That's it. We're fucking doomed. All right. That's the end of this podcast. I'm done. I refuse to talk about American politics any further. I will lose my fucking mind. Diz, tell them how they can get a hold of us. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash currently nerdy. Twitter at currently nerdy. Instagram at currently nerdy. Tumblr, currently nerdy.tumblr.com. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash currently nerdy. Go check out our Game of Thrones and Religions video. It's pretty dope if I say so myself. Um, You were also on Stitcher. Google Play, and the iTunes podcast app. So make sure you're subscribed. You give us a five-star rating. Uh, If you're not subscribed, please do so. If you're already subscribed, make your friends subscribe. 
your goal of the week is to listen to make one new listener for currently nerdy we, we have to give them another share quote what's their share quote for this week it was last week's well, uh, last week was very random i forgot what it was but you worthless piece of shit uh, you forgot what it was too yeah i'm not the one giving out share quotes. you're the one who came up with it but mm-hmm. i just said it as their share quote yeah. something i said that you were like what the hell um this this week's share quote is he's light skinned and then send the link to this. No, don't do that. Please, for <laughs> no. God's sakes, don't do that. Don't do that. No. Okay, fine. The key to a good orgy is the catering. Ah, that's that's the this week's share there. That's my rule number seven in the, the holy rules. the holy wizards rules of Ali. Okay, so you're gonna text your key friends. Key to a good catering. You're gonna text. The key to a good orgy is catering. Text your friends. Yeah, you don't want like hot wings because the, the hot hmm, sauce gets exactly. all over the place. Yeah. yeah. So text your friends. The key to a good orgy is the catering. And then they're going to say, what? And then you send them a link to our podcast and just be like, and then screenshot it and send it to us and we'll, we'll retweet it for you. Mm. All right. So do that. That's our shared air for this week. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us individually, you can. V, how can they get a hold of you? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at VTRAN214. That's V-Y-T-R-A-N-214. Or on my website, setthesandwichslay.com or sevencrossroads.com. You can catch me on my website at alialome.com. Or you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at A-A-O-L-O-M-I. Go and follow me. You can see the behind the scenes of Head On History or my work as a... Uh, instructor or as a historian uh, you also check out uh, Head on History on iTunes the podcast app and on Stitcher Radio um, I've just released a special episode on the history of Islamophobia highly recommended Diz you can find me everywhere at Dizbullah D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H go for Blue everyone Devils. here at Curling Nerdy thanks for tuning in and remember stay smart sexy nerds go Duke Blue Devils all hail the Curling Empire